Hey there everyone, and welcome to Seriously Risky Business. I'm Adam Boileau. I'm joined by my colleague, Tom Uran. Hi Tom, how's it going? G'day Adam, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, so this week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Lawfare and is sponsored by Thinks, makers of the Canary Deception Tech. Uh, you, Tom, had a pretty good chat with the founder and longtime friend of the show, Haru Mir, in this week's uh, sponsored interview. Um, and when, you know, when I was a pen tester, certainly when you ran into an environment with Thinks Canaries in it, like you knew you were going to be in for a bad time because those things <laughs> legitimately work. So, you know, I want to give props to Haroon, but... Man, they caused us some trouble. It was good chat. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good people, good people. Um, Now, this week, you've looked at the ongoing kind of conversation around the Chinese threat actor, Vault Typhoon, uh, which has the US feeling a little rattled by the look of things. What's the latest with Vault Typhoon? And like, how is this different from previous Chinese APT campaigns? Yeah, right. So the... About six, seven months ago, Microsoft released a report and there's just kind of this throwaway line. Um, you know, we, we think that Vault Typhoon is not doing intelligence. It's getting into critical infrastructure to prepare to disrupt it. And I've written about them a couple of times since. And the question has always been to me, like, what do you do about that from a, a US perspective? And so this week we got the answer, or at least we got new information about what the US is doing. So they've in the last week, they disrupted a botnet that the Vault Typhoon uses. It may not be the only user of the, that botnet, but it's one of them called the KV botnet. And so there was a Department of Justice takedown and it was seems like it's been helped by the private sector as well, who sinkholed some command and control. And that looks like it's been pretty effective. And then, They've just released a report on Vault Typhoon. So that's the US cybersecurity agencies, uh, FBI, CISA, NSIA, but also those involved in critical infrastructure. And they've released also a long report on how to deal with the tactics of Vault Typhoon. And this is happening kind of out in the public. Um, So what's different is that you can see very much a contest going on in the sense that the US agencies are taking steps like the KV botnet disruption and you can see those Chinese actors are responding. So they're trying to recover the botnet um, and rebuild it, I guess. So that I think is quite a different space that we're in where we can see public actions taking place and this kind of back and forth. Because we saw a bit of back and forth with the Barracuda uh, compromise, which, you know, we, uh, we saw them, you know, digging in once they were rumbled. And we kind of, we talked about it, I think, even on, on this podcast, you know, about how it was kind of rude. Yep. But this Vault Typhoon thing seems to have the US a bit more rattled than than just plain it being, you know, rude or it being, yeah. you know, not quite cricket in the normal spy cyber yeah. tradecraft. Yeah, yeah. So the, is it terrifying? The really worrying thing is that it's all about Taiwan. So, where at least that's the, the most plausible theory. And the thinking is that the CCP wants to be in a position, or the Chinese government wants to be in a position that if it needs to take military action around the Taiwan Strait, um, 
it has some tricks up its sleeve, I guess, to try and stop the US from getting majorly involved. So the idea is, uh, you know, we want to blockade Taiwan, we want to invade. How do we stop the US getting involved? We'll flip this switch and we'll unleash cyber chaos and <laughs> the US will be deterred. So it'll, um, you know, sap their will to actually get involved and their capability. So that's the thinking. And so that's like a serious, very worrying concern. And so the, you know, you can take those kind of disruption steps, which degrade Vault Typhoon's capability. Um, but it's important to remember that it's it's all about Taiwan. So it's not really about US critical infrastructure at all. Like that's a secondary, the goal is for the PRC to be able to reclaim Taiwan. Disrupting U.S. critical infrastructure is uh, a sort of supporting capability to that. Yeah, I guess there's not much else going on in the you know power and water systems on Guam that's of interest to anybody you know other than yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a telecommunications hub. So you could imagine that you could want to be there for intelligence, but like the the government and um, everything that's been said about it is that that's not why they're there. So the report talks about they'll get access. They'll get credentials um, and then they'll just disappear. And so they don't, they're not collecting intelligence. They're just maintaining an ability to get back on their network. They do some recon to try and understand the network. And so it, it's very much about being, just being ready. The, the bit where we're just having this conversation in public, because there's been plenty of compromise of critical infrastructure before. There's been, I'm assuming, plenty of prepositioning inside critical infrastructure before by you know, both us in the Five Eyes and, and our adversaries. But this conversation's happening in public, and that's kind of novel. Do you think, like, how does this play into the sort of wider conversation around, you know, deterrence and signalling and all yeah. of the, you know, things that we are doing this in public for? Yeah. Uh, so I think one answer is that uh, some of that, if you think of the US and Russia, if if they're pre-positioned in each other's critical infrastructure, that's probably the uh, like the nuclear option in the sense that um, they're probably not going to pull the trigger unless they're in a very, very, very serious war. I think one of the reasons that this feels different is that it seems like the PRC taking action against Taiwan is something that may or may not happen. And so it's something that the US and allies can work hard on to actually prevent. Um, and so the question is, how do you prevent it? One way is that there's a whole lot of diplomatic, military, economic things that you can announce publicly that would just deter China full stop. And if you successfully deter China full stop, um, then you don't really have to worry about Vault Typhoon because they're not going to pull the trigger on disrupting critical infrastructure out of nowhere for no reason. Like Taiwan is the trigger and then critical infrastructure is kind of a, a thing that happens after they've decided to do that. So I spoke to Michael Mazar, and so he's a deterrence expert at RAND and he pointed out that what you want to make sure is that the PRC doesn't think that they've got, and he called it a cyber magic wand that can make sure that the US doesn't get involved in that conflict. And for the PRC, Vault Typhoon is potentially that cyber magic wand. And so you want to make sure that they don't think that that will actually work. 
And so one way you can do that is just directly contesting with Vault Typhoon. So that's the KV botnet thing. Yeah, so like yeah, you're thinking that maybe some of the Chinese cyber warriors are kind of, you know, inflating some of their PowerPoints as they report up to make themselves look good, to make it sound like they've got a bigger That's cyber right. wand than perhaps they think, and then doing this in public is a way to kind of puncture that bubble a little bit. Yeah, mitigate. Communicate further up. Yeah, mitigate that risk. And so if you do it in a very, very public way, um, Chinese leadership is, well, you're telling me one thing, but the US is saying you're, you've been busted. Um, and so I think that's the dynamic going on there. And so there's a, a real reason for the US to be very public about it. Um, and so I think that's super interesting as a, as, as a kind of dynamic going on there. Now, one of the things also that sort of flows from that is that from a US perspective, you want the Chinese government to think that, hey, we've got it all under control. You know, Vault Typhoon, ah, that's nothing to us. If you disrupt critical infrastructure, we'll get over it. It's not going to be a big problem. Um, yet, so that's the sort of external perception you want to you want to portray to the to the Chinese government. And you could see that. Um, so there was a hearing last week which had uh, General Nakasone, who's the head of NSA and Cyber Command, that had Jen Easterly, who's the head of CISA, the in the sort of cybersecurity agency for the US. And General Nakasone is, yes, you know, threats are bigger than ever, but we've got better capability than ever. We're on top of this. We're contesting Vault Typhoon everywhere. We're going to make their life very difficult. Um, and yet Easterly, who's Hoorah. talking to... <laughs> that's right. Hoorah. <laughs> um, and Easterly, who's talking to a domestic audience, is like, this is a really serious threat. <laughs> She's the one that has to convince people to apply patches and, that's and right. deal with yeah. all of the intrusions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's it's really interesting seeing that sort of you know dichotomy play out depending on on the audience. And you know you kind of want it to work in both directions. You that's know? right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I spoke about this to to Michael Mazar, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I don't think the Chinese really care about congressional testimony all that much." So, <laughs> so <laughs> Easterly is probably it's hard to find it interesting, even when it is in your wheelhouse, <laughs> let alone when it's you know the other other side of the world. Yeah. So, uh, like, it seems to me that strategy of being very public about your disruption activities makes a lot of sense in this sort of situation like you know even though vault typhoon is not the main game you definitely want to make sure that uh, you know that cyber magic one doesn't exist and so i think that um we're probably going to see more announcements that would make sense uh, like vault typhoon won't go away and so there, there, there's got to be more action i think in the second half of your newsletter, you were talking about this kind of circumstance in the US where uh, we've seen an ongoing skirmish around uh, Ivanti's VPN products, which are on the edge of all sorts of people's networks. Uh, and we've seen, you know, just a parade of bugs uh, in that set of products coming up over the last few months and widespread compromise and, you know, wailing plaintiff pleas from CISA to, to patch your things. And then, like, how it's kind of beyond being able to patch this fast enough. Like, the patches are only just out and it was already too late. <laughs> and trying to kind of figure out where, you know, what, what to do with Sis's advice, which is now, what, unplug these things until you can patch them? Yeah, what, what I thought was interesting about this is that 
in some way it reflects the Vault Typhoon story in that the there's in Vault Typhoon there's a contest between US agencies and that actor and they're making steps and counter steps. Um, <laughs> the old cyber knife fight, right? <laughs> and Avanti the the compromises here feel the same. So there was uh, an initial compromise, it got busted, the actor responded by employing a whole lot of workarounds and mitigations and different backdoors and web shells. And so Avanti and this actor have gone back and forth. And so at some point, Sisters basically just thrown up their hands and said, this is hopeless. Um, we can't guarantee that these devices are any good anymore. You've probably been compromised. Unplug them and basically start all over again. Um, and they've also said, if you've got domains attached to those devices, assume that those are compromised as well. Which, so <laughs> you know, is, is good advice, but a very hard pill to swallow. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's not easy to recover from. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the Barracuda yeah. incident, which feels very much similar. Like it's no longer just, oh, we've been busted, we'll go away and fight another day. It's been busted, we'll fight like hell to stay here. Yeah, and, and also like the, that exchange set of exchange bugs uh, a while back, we yeah. saw a similar kind of dynamic play out. And I think, you know, that feels like a pattern, right? It feels like kind of a new normal when you're dealing with, yeah. especially the Chinese adversaries, that they're not willing to just, you know, slink off into the cyber night. Um, and <laughs> yeah, instead right. we have to sit there and skirmish with them and deal with the reality of domain-wide compromise and hardware backdoors and the real costs yeah. that come from these products and services and, and ways that we built our environment. So Yeah, yeah. So this was a first for CISA to say you've got to disconnect the devices. So this is a directive to federal government agencies. Uh, but like, I don't know, it probably seems like good advice for anyone, right? I mean, uh, it does, yeah. Uh, Expensive and, advice perhaps, but good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so this seems like it could be the first but not the last and it's driven by the actor behavior it's not because CISA just wants to be annoying it's because actors have changed the way they attack these things and so my you know this is my silver lining for the cloud is that perhaps this makes people think more about security when they're both building and buying products because all of a sudden you're not buying a product that um, you know you have to patch and you can just move on you're buying a product that you have to disconnect, rebuild, <laughs> perhaps. Um, you know, CISA asked or told agencies to reset their um, their active, I think it was their active directory passwords twice, was it? Their on-prem passwords as well? Yeah, there um, are some cases where you have to roll them twice for it to work well because of Microsoft's mechanisms. For, <laughs> like the, the Kerberos ticket grinding ticket password is the one that comes to right, mind. Right, right. You have to roll it twice for it to work. Yeah, so the, it seems like, you know, the the costs of poor security on the back end are increasing so um you know silver lining will this make people buy or buy more secure products think about it what do you think well i mean the, the, you know total cost of ownership as an argument in the like non-hacker version of own uh, was already hard enough now trying to extend that to you know cost of ownership <laughs> um, you know that's uh that's a hard sell, but I mean, we are clearly at the point in time where it is necessary to consider full lifecycle cost of some of these products. So, you know, if CIS's guidance can hasten the acceptance of that, 
then I'm I'm all for it. But I'm a little little honestly a little skeptical. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to have more knife fights uh, before we get to that point. And I, I really did love your uh, your headline here: uh, VPNs wounded in cyber knife fighting. Yeah, that's, that's definitely what we're definitely in the getting wounded phase. I think not the healing up and getting stronger and going on a quest for revenge phase. That's maybe further on. <laughs> uh, anyway, always it's, it's always good news. I, I like that you, know, you have a good news section in the newsletter and that is, we need a little bit of uplifting uh, around here in this industry. So I, I tell I'm, you what, I'm, sometimes, some weeks it's hard to find stuff to put in there. <laughs> you, but you try. That's the important thing, Tom. That's the important thing. Uh, anyway, I think that's all we have time for this week, Tom. So thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to reading what you write next week. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom.